Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. Thrilled to bits if we ever receive two sad face emojis and a kiss, it's P&Q, Philippa Hall and Quentin Rayner. And weighing in with your flesh and gut fill, there's you, our herd of lovely dumpty dummers. This week's dumpty dum tune is from Jen's son, Angus, super. And we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Rob, Jan, Catherine, Witherspoon, Bill, Kate, Sarah, Claire from Clapham, Bernadette, Charles and Barbara. And then later we have another dumpty book dumb item. Marvellous. So, Quentin, yeah. how was your week? Any highlights? Well, I just want to say it's appropriate that Angus was singing the Dumpty Dum tune this week, bearing in mind how much Tony has been going on about his Anguses, eh? Yes, not thrown, very it's not, good. It's not thrown together, this show, folks, I tell you. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's my highlight of the week that I picked that out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my highlights. Um, met up with some old colleagues for the first time in a year since I left, left the BBC because I went to a colleague's leaving do, so that was nice, and they... Amazingly, they still remembered me, which was reassuring. Um, <laughs> the photos look great. Look like you're having a super night. It was lovely, yeah. It was nice, yes. Um, the other highlight was, is, it's a bit sad, really, but I got a little frisson, a little thrill. Um, during the week, uh, a tweet of mine was read out on LBC by James O'Brien, no less, um, about eight, I was tweeting about the HS2 cancellation of Phase Two, a story mm. I've covered for donkey's years on on on, on um, BBC East Midlands today. Anyway, cut long story short, he read it out and retweeted it, so I was mm. thrilled. Wow! But as a result of the fact he's got eight hundred thousand plus followers, he got seen about eighty thousand times. Good grief! But You're a superstar. Well, the important thing is the spin-off is that you get the stats on a tweet, and it showed that uh, around 500 people had looked at my Twitter profile, and my Twitter profile is mainly going on about co-hosting Dumpty Dum. So the spin-off you see, Philippa, is that hopefully around <laughs> about 500 new people know about our podcast. There you go. 
you see, Quentin, you're always putting Dum De Dum ahead of yourself. I appreciate your yeah. your diligence. I'm glad Excellent. you I'm glad you spotted my selflessness. Yes, totally. In my vain pursuit to be read out on LBC. <laughs> so I'm sure you were far more modest this week, weren't you? Uh, very modest. It's been a boring week, to be honest, just working and driving children everywhere. I got my booster jab, some advantages to being old and ill. That was good, but I didn't get a sticker. Bit sad about that. And we had um our book and bottle club this week, which was very good. So one of the book clubs I belong to, we not only do we review a book each time, we review a bottle of alcohol each time. Um and this time That's it true. was does, does does the latter help the former? <laughs> well, because we're all driving, you only get like a thimble, a teaspoon of, of the drink. The person who's hosting is the one that brings the bottle out. But this one was um, an interesting one. It was a Bailey's special apple pie. And I thought that was that was something that, that we might see at Bridge Farm. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I think we might be talking about Bridge Farm, mightn't we? Can I just put a, a shout out to a chap called Tim Ashburner? Uh, <laughs> I spotted a tweet of his at Tim Ashburner. He happens to be a senior sound supervisor in uh, outside broadcast for BBC News, but that's irrelevant. I don't know Tim. But he said, just listen to the last 16 episodes back to back. Is this a record? <laughs> Is that of Dum De Dum or The Arches? No, The Arches. Oh. Digesting five episodes a week is enough for anybody, isn't it? Which got me thinking, I mean, are there any other examples of exceptional or excessive Borsetshire consumption? Because uh, we need to know. But Tim, my words, 16 episodes of The Archers back to back. Very he's good. still standing. Amazing. <laughs> well, Quentin, shall we recall why we were left with faces that could break plates last week in Borsetshire? Yes, I think it'd be rude not to, Philippa, because uh, while Tony was engrossed in his Anguses, we all spotted two bullies in the village, Snell and Nasher. Prepare yourselves because we could soon have a murder mystery on our hands, given how many people the ruthless impresario is upsetting. Kirsty's miserable Mary Magdalene apparently resonated such an extraordinary aura of movement that it convinced a brutish Linda the walking disaster should play God. No, 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 screamed Kirsty, running from the rehearsal and barricading herself in the loo. Quick thinking Roy, flattered to deceive Linda, that her commanding presence called for her to play the deity. Thank God Snell fell for it. The knives were out in the tea room, but not to cut through the millionaire shortbreads. Every act of kindness brings its own rewards, Natasha preached, as she justified to Fallon how building her summer orchard factory by destroying the existing orchard would boost trade. I'm on a knife edge, Fallon wailed. This could finish the tea room off. If I lose many more customers, then it's over. Natasha promptly uttered the C word when she bumped up the compensation offer from a carton of fruit juice to indefinitely slashing the rent without even clearing it with Tony and Pats. What? exclaimed Trainset Man. How dare you, harumph Pat, when Nasha started talking fabricated steel and sympathetic cladding, refusing to be squashed like her genius husband. <laughs> Relocating to Bridge Farm was a goner, exactly what she planned all along. Let's bounce around Borsetshire for other developments. Ben and Beth hooked up with Rory in London for a meal where the young dancing Aldridge insisted on paying the bill. Why is he so flush all of a sudden? Elizabeth broached the subject of a brooch for Clary to wear on her renewal day. Clary's discomfort was discernible to five million listeners, but not to the lady of Lower Loxley or Eddie, having just trimmed Jasper the ferret's nails. 
Jennifer lamented to her brother Tony that she feels she's lost Rory and it's unbearable. Roy's given up on the dating app and we've all given up on Kirsty after she changed her mind and will visit Philip in prison. While Linda's doing Oliver's head in, wanting to transform Grey Gables' ballroom into a Roman palace festooned with banners, eagles and a trapdoor for Judas. COP26 may have completely passed her by, but Mia was there to take the heat out of things. With a click of her fingers, Eddie was summoned and the ballroom bash abandoned. Clutching his scratter, Eddie settled on renewing their vows in the cider shed instead. Clary will now wear her mother's brooch from the renowned Lizzie Larkin collection and Baggy and his buddies will be back. I couldn't have chosen a better wife, Eddie crooned. I wouldn't have a different husband for all the world, Clary cooed back. Essays in by next Sunday, everyone. <laughs> I think we're going to be, you know, asked to, to go to Hollywood next. Uh, well, I think we're going to get a request from Linda to come and join the Christmas pantomime eventually. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Well, if you stuck with us, let's find <laughs> out what you, our fabulous dum de dummers made of it all. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Catherine, who is in some considerable pain, but is fighting through it to tell us of her concern about the character of Blake. Everyone, it's Catherine. It's only Monday night and I'm lying awake feeling rotten because of a stupid, rather sexy, salivary gland stone, which honestly is the worst pain I've ever experienced. Anyway, I'm on drugs. So what I'm bringing up to say is I'm listening to loads of Archers I Missed while I was ill and the roundup from last week. And I'm wondering, what is actually the point of Blake? I know he was a plot device, but when he's not there, he you don't miss him, do you? Because actually, he's just exploited by the scriptwriters in the same way that he was exploited by evil Mr Moss to be a conduit for everyone else's storyline. He hasn't got a character. He just says, oh, yeah, thank you, Mr Moss, and hammers nails in things. But actually, the actual moments when he has a personality or anything or has any backstory are limited. So it's rather sad, isn't it, that he's just a device for Kirsty to whinge and Harrison to be unprofessional and really indiscreet in a way that I'm sure wouldn't happen in real life, that he'd be allowed on a case of some mate of his. And he's just pointless, and I really hope they move on from this story soon. It's that bad, I'm almost missing uh, dreary Alice and her um, alcoholism. And, yeah, I hate Natasha too, but I think Philippa might have a really good point that she's actually brilliant because the rest of them just whinge on. I loved her makeovers that she did that were just obviously so terrible, um, and her relentless spending, which was really funny too. Uh, hopefully I'll feel better later in the week to be a bit more compostmentous. See you. Bye. Oh, Catherine, thank you very much for that call. I mean, the, the dedication to uh, <laughs> Dumpty Dum no, no, no bows, does it, Philippa? I mean, <laughs> there, there she is, Catherine, filing her dispatches from her <laughs> sickbed with her sexy saliva gland stone. I mean, th- thank you, Catherine. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to see, actually, from her, her Twitter feed at ICOD that um, the drugs have worked and she is much better and she's back Good. at school teaching. But, um, yeah, they're dedicated lot, aren't they, Dumpty Dummers? Indeed. Uh, right, Blake, she she thinks he's pointless. Well, I just, just discuss, Philippa. Um, 
Mm. Is he pointless? Uh, he's serving a purpose. She's right. I don't think they fleshed out his character. There is no mm. backstory as far as we know. And it makes you wonder if he's going to hang around Ambridge, they, they better crack on with that. He's a bit faceless, don't you think, at the moment? I thought, actually, that Catherine was really had a point when she said that actually Blake, in a way, is being exploited by the scriptwriters. Because, yes, what is his real story? We've heard a bit of background about when he was living with his mother and stepfather uh, and and the dog, Um, but not much more than that. And I just Mm. hope we hear more of him and his future and how, in a good way, let's hope. And how he's going to slot into Ambridge life if he yes. does indeed, because he he fled from the the job at Barrow Farm, didn't he? Very very quick, very pronto. Yes, absolutely. But can we just move on as well that uh, she was agreeing with my point? I think excellent stuff. I did notice this. Yes, yes, yes. There yeah, we go. I, thought, I, I thought you might pick up on that, Philip. Yeah, that Natasha is brilliant. Yes. Okay. Natasha, Natasha is not someone you might want to come across, you know, uh, in the family. You might not choose that. But in terms of the archers, I love her. She's got some strength. I mean, this juicing plant sounds like it's absolutely huge. It's going to have to take over the whole orchard. Well, as she said, it's yes, it's not a factory. It's a food processing unit. We all need to be very clear about that. But I've been looking at a map this week of Ambridge, as you would expect me to. Yeah. Um, quite, a few, quite a few of you have. I've seen quite a few maps. Oh, really? Out. Yes. How about... obsessed are some people? I mean, that, that, well, anyway, because, carry. thank you, pay attention, because <laughs> this factory food processing unit, juicing plant, whatever, is going to be at Sawyer's, where Tom does all the sausages. Well, yeah, I didn't realise that Sawyer's farm is quite a separate farm to Bridge Farm. So I don't know why she... Was it that she actually set up to, in her mind to do that? I, my, I have to hold my hands up. I thought she just wanted to stay where she was and be able to commute away from Bridge Farm and not have to sit she, there eating. She doesn't pate want to be time. at Bridge Farm. This is the whole thing. She's been an absolute swine throughout the week, just to make her point. Yes, she? but Sawyer's Farm is a little bit away from Bridge Farm. Yeah. Just looking at the map here, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's still it's still within it's real, distance. isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. What's, what's the OS reference? Of course it is. I mean, Pat can still turn up with a thermos of soup at Sawyer's Farm. You know, throw it in her face. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I love this idea of using screens and trellises to hide uh, to hide the process. It's all it's all one big con. She's played them. Yes, great, good yeah. for her. Finally, they deserve it. They're awful. She's fab. The end. I, I, I personally don't think that's the way you should behave. I mean, she she should have just said, "I'm I'm not coming." Full stop. That's it. Don't want to be here. Take it or leave it. No, but no, but I mean, the... she's, we've had a whole week of nastiness from nasty Natasha. I think she's a complete fake. Well, I say fake. I think the real Natasha has come through again this week. That's the one good thing out of it because, as I've said before, we got this, you know, nice, fluffy Natasha came back from a Welsh trip a few <laughs> months back. And you know, the flashes of nastiness we saw before about credit cards seem to just disappear. Anyway, it's flared up this week. And I think we've seen the real Natasha again, and she's not very nice. But my word, she's enough to stir it up and keeps get, keeps the drama going. She's, I, I disagree. She's not, for me, she's not nasty. Ugh, she's just geez. got a bit of backbone to her. She's something interesting. She doesn't speak with a voice that's all, um, and she's got, yeah, she's got interest in her life. Yeah, she's between got that business. calculating with your family. 
No, as I say, I, would set I want your, her in my family? Set no, your prejudices aside about the Bridge Farm Do I lots. want her in Ambridge? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I think it's great. More, yeah. please. There we go. You see, I, I I would like to have Hannah back because I thought she was great and people loathed her, but my God, she stirred things up, didn't she, Hannah? She's gone very silent. But, um, That's true. Controversial, controversial. That is true. Yes, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't take to Hannah, but maybe... No. No, but for the same reasons, she's not very nice, but she doesn't stir things up and you keep, see, keep things interesting. Hannah would have been fine, but she picked on my Neil. And if you're going to pick on my Neil, no, I'm sorry, true. I'm not having it. You can leave. So that, yeah. that's that. Anyway. Yeah, that was unforgivable, I'll grant you. But <laughs> interesting. When she wound up, Tom, that was funny. Oh, yes. Or she's free to do that at any point, but just stay away from Neil. That, that's all I say. <laughs> anyway, Catherine, thank you so much for your call, your first call. And uh, then we go to Jan from Vancouver. Now, she has a plot prediction about London's newest resident. Hello, Philippa and Quentin and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan from Vancouver calling in. Is it just me or did anyone else pick up on Ben's comment on Sunday about Rory being able to manage so well on his student loan. I had a little tingling spine moment when I heard it. I'm wondering if he's trying so hard to manage without being financially reliant on Brian and Jennifer that he's found a way to make a little extra on the side. Am I making a prediction? Uh, Yeah, I think I am. Uh, it may be a little far-fetched, but I suspect that Rory has gotten himself into something a, a little illegal to make some extra money for himself. Anyway, uh, that's it for me. Uh, I want to say thank you to Quentin and Philippa and to all the caller inners who have uh, made this show continue to be such a great show. Okay. Bye, everybody. Oh, thank you, Jan. That was absolutely brilliant, that call. Yes, Rory. I did start to worry what he's up to in London. I mean, there are different there are different options. We could say maybe he's just not coping and he's pretending to everyone that he's absolutely fine, but he's not enjoying it. Maybe, you know, he's getting this money by, I don't know, is he dealing drugs or something like that? I would hope not, because with all that he's seen with Alice's addiction, I hope not. Is he perhaps, how do we say, a gentleman of the night? Now, that is a possibility because he did decide to, with the uh, bouncer at the club. Yes, yes. Are you reading my notes? Are you reading my notes here? That's exactly (laughs) what I was just about to say. I've got nothing else to say now. Oh, well, I've got, or is he gambling? Or Ooh, my yeah. final thought, is he actually getting money from Brian? You know, is Brian sort of secretly just giving him some money, aware of all that's oh. happened? And Brian's solution is always, if, if if there's a problem, throw some money at it. Ooh, ooh. Uh, something's going on. But yes, Jan, you could be right. What what do you think, Quentin? <laughs> Sorry, saying all your notes. <laughs> uh, great minds, I think, great minds. Yes. Um, I don't think it was just a throwaway line from Ben. Uh, I think he was there to sow a seed, and I think something is afoot. Could he? Have, is he getting money from his Irish family? That's a, that's another mm. possibility, isn't it? Um, mm. My first thought was he's doing something a bit dodgy, and uh, my mind being my mind thought, oh, is he being a male escort because of that scene at the nightclub with yes. the bouncer? Yeah, uh, he seemed very 
at ease offering his services to the bouncer, didn't he? So yes. maybe that is a possibility. Um, our good good friend Stephen uh, Stephen Bowden, uh, of the good friend of this uh, podcast, tweeted: uh, Has Rory got some additional source of income then? Selling his body, blackmailing Brian, Raffles style gentleman jewelry thief. <laughs> so um, all sorts of theories out there, but I think Jan, you're, you're on to something. Mm. So we shall see. Before we move on, I must also say. I hope everybody in Vancouver is okay, Jan, because of course they yes. suffered terrible floods Awful, last yes. week, and um, there were some fatalities as well. So uh, we do hope that uh, everything is okay your end now. In uh, it's British Columbia, isn't it? I think, yes, Vancouver. Yes. So yes, our thoughts with you. But thanks for phoning in, Jan. And um, yeah, I think you're on something. And Quentin, just as you said, you think something's afoot. We have Witherspoon. He has the inside track on Ambridge, and it would seem that murder. Is afoot. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa Quentin, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's with a spoon and Angus Haggis here. I was fortunate enough to watch a preview of a spinoff of Midsummer Murders called Mid-Autumn Murders. In the premiere episode, DCI Barnaby visits Ambridge to attend the renewal of vows of Eddie and Clary because Barnaby's wife, Sarah, is the fourth cousin once removed of Clary. Unfortunately, just prior to the event beginning, the body of local businesswoman Natasha Archer is found by local nursing student Ben Archer walking his dog crushed to death in a fruit presser. Ben tried CPR to no avail and again questions his choice of career. DCI Barnaby enlists the assistance of slightly dim-witted local constable Sergeant Harrison Burns. <laughs> Barnaby can only sigh. The leading suspects are Natasha's husband, Tom. Their marriage wasn't as strong as it appeared. Tom's ex-fiancee and environmentalist, Kirsty, who is divorcing her convict husband, Philip. Cafe owner Fallon, who was seen arguing with Natasha and who also happens to be married to Sergeant Burns, organic farmer and Natasha's mother-in-law, Pat, who was also seen arguing with Natasha, and Natasha's cousin by marriage, Adam Macy, because he's been too happy lately <laughs> and has to have something to moan about. Well, Pat is eliminated as a suspect because she is found dead in a vat of ice cream by local busybody Susan Carter, who screams and then immediately calls her sister Tracy, who has just emerged from a shower with Pigman Jazzer. Barnaby interviews everyone in the village and becomes very confused by the great big Archer family tree. When he asks about where they were when the murders took place, they all said they were taking a walk on Leaky Hill. <laughs> but of course, he solves the mystery. The murderer is none other than Brian Aldridge, who was having an affair with Welsh-born Natasha. He just loves an accent. Why did he murder his sister-in-law, Pat? He replied, I just never liked her. Barnaby and his wife then toast Eddie and Clary. Cue the closing credits and theme song. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. He's, uh, he's gone off on a completely amazing train of thought there with us, hasn't he? I, I think he should, uh, he's wasted. He should be uh, writing his own murder mysteries, don't you think? Amazing. Uh, an alternate universe for, for Ambridge and, and, and Brian's, Brian's a culprit. <laughs> Brian, am I right in thinking he, he murdered both Natasha and Pat? Is that right? 
Yeah, he was having an affair with Natasha. I mean, this is just brilliant. I asked last week for an illicit love affair. Yeah. <laughs> Brian and Natasha would be, <laughs> yes, illicit in all sorts of ways. We've well, got two dead bodies, though, Natasha, right? A- yes. And Pat. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, well, that flies in the face of our, our theory that we were putting out in the summary that we thought um, Linda would be the one to be lynched because she's <laughs> driving everybody nuts. Um, so, I'm, well, I mean, I'll hear nothing against my beloved Brian. He wouldn't be Brian. Nah, nah. Beneath him. It's beneath him, as, as was Natasha by the sounds of it. Well, you say it's an alternate universe, is it? I think this is entirely believable. I thought it was, ab- it was absolutely perfect. With a spoon, we need a script. We could act it out on this podcast, Quentin. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I find it more interesting than The Archers, didn't you? <laughs> Um, so if you could get crack on with that, please, with us, Doom, we'd appreciate that. I love the idea that um, uh, <laughs> Adam was a suspect because he's been so happy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I and thought it was great. It reminded me of that quote he came up with about Morris the Butcher. If rain clouds could talk, they'd sound just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Irony bypass or whatever. Or what, Adam? That's brilliant. I think the script writers were having a... We're having a laugh there, weren't they? Because uh, um, I would say that uh, our dear Adam has rained down more moany deluges over the years yeah. than, than any, other, any other character. And it, but he did have a little moan, didn't he, about the shortage of meat processors, didn't he? I, I yes, noticed. He did. uh, and I wonder why yeah. that is uh, you know, Brexit voting, Adam. I wonder what that what, what is. Yes, that, it's yeah. strange that one, isn't Funny it? Funny that, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Another mystery I have is this brooch. Can we just talk about the brooch? Because the way Elizabeth was talking about it, it sounded like it was some sort of mega diamond Fabergé egg type arrangement. But I thought it's probably just a bit of scrunchled foil that one of the kids made from Blue Peter or something. Just felt like she was palming off a bit of tat, didn't it? Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't want it anymore. You have it. Yes. Oh, I'm not wearing it. And I've gone through yeah. my drawers, but you'd be grateful for it. I yeah, just, yeah. yes. I wanted a, I wanted two pictures, one of a, of some diamonds and the other of just scrunchled foil. And I know which one it would it would look more like i don't know these two turtle doves no thank you it's the way neither of them read the room the room did they it was just we said in the summary her discomfort was so palpable but she just sort of went along with it as ever didn't she good old clary but then if elizabeth had bought her a brooch and clary said oh that's lovely and eddie said oh that's lovely and everyone was happy you know there'd be nothing for us to moan about so fair enough that's true we do need need to moan but um I know people feel there's a terrible class divide in, in the arches, and then there tangibly mm. is at times. But you really felt it there, wasn't it? Oh, the, yes. Sort of her, her largesse as she gave away one of the family brooches. It was a bit. Yeah. Why, why should so they? So condescending. Yeah, absolutely. Expected yeah. to accept it. And, well, it's up to, entirely up to you to accept it. But in other words, you, you must accept it. You know? mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we all squirmed. We all squirmed. We did. But with a spoon, that was brilliant. More of that, please. Fantastic. And now we go to Rob. He's got a bone or an asteroid to pick with Quentin. Oh, Quentin, how could you be so hard on me for calling in from a Star Trek exhibition? Your take on things seems to be that we should all be fans of the Archers to the exclusion of all of the franchises. But I'd warn you that you need to be careful about what you wish for. If only Archer's purists were to stay in the Dumpty Dum family, I think you might find it starts getting very lonely there. 
Personally speaking, I'm a fan of the stars both Trek and Wars, as well as Doctor Who, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Red Dwarf and others. And from chatting with other Dumpty Dumbers, I know it's not just myself and God Squad Mia. Philip has seen, been seen out and about in a Star Trek uniform talking to a Wookiee. <laughs> Mally and Witherspoon regularly chat about Doctor Who. Hell's teeth, man. In the do-you-know-this-person link that Facebook keeps insisting on sending me, you're sitting in the bottom half of a Dalek. <laughs> Perhaps, rather than beating up on people for spreading their love around the different fan bases, you could be looking into planning a Dumpty Dum extravaganza. How about setting up an Ambridge Parish Council meeting? Sadly, I know that we're a very broad church, and for broad read, global, and we couldn't all get together as much as we might want to do. So maybe you need to start thinking of a world tour. Tell me when the ticket's are ready. Bye. <laughs> Rob, this is... Quentin is mm. sitting in a Dalek. Rob, you are absolutely right. Quentin, <laughs> explain yourself. The Dalek, yes. That folks is the most expensive Dalek that's ever been auctioned. I was doing a story in a Derby auction house and a collector of various film memorabilia was selling off his collection, including this Dalek, which finally went for about £36,000, I think. Good grief. So I was doing a piece about this memorabilia and I we finished the filming we packed up and left and I as we're getting in the car we got a call from our online team saying oh so I've just seen you doing this story any chance of you getting a photograph with something from the collection so me and the cameraman went back and I clambered into this Dalek and hence the photograph <laughs> sent it back saying hey there's your photograph for online and she wouldn't accept it I said what she said oh oh it doesn't look real doesn't look real looks like you've been photoshopped in, in inside this because you my head's sort of popping out of this dark. <laughs> and I had to sort of really convince her. I get the camera around the phone and say, look, I took the photograph. It is true. It's genuine. So she finally accepted it, and it did make it onto the BBC Online pages. So that's the story behind that Dalek, yeah. So the, that is the world's most expensive at that stage anyway, Dalek. But Rob does have a point that you can't dismiss sci-fi in general when your key photo is you in a Dalek. But I've explained the context, I haven't I? I mean, it's it's not because I wanted to be in a Dalek. I was doing my journalistic duty. But I'm pleased I've sat in a Dalek. I have the world's most expensive Dalek. Um, So, yeah, yes, okay, I take your point. Good point, good point. Uh, We'll we'll get you watching Star Trek soon enough. As long as it's got swishing doors. I want that's That's what Star Trek's about. But I, oh. I, I'm, I'm t- I, 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 I feel yes, reprimanded, Rob. Thank you for that. And uh, Philip is crowing. And in terms of a world tour, I would love to be out meeting all Dumpty Dumbers. I just don't think the world's a safe enough place yet. But can we just get it so it's a bit safer, and then we can. We need a good meetup. It would be wonderful. Well, I think we need invites all around the world, don't we, Philip? We could just you know, yes, drop in at various countries. I think what, we'd need at least five years, I think, to, to meet everybody. So that was all about things that are out of this world. I'll tell you what else was out of this world this week. Can we just talk about Xander? I mean, I just don't understand. What is it with this kid? that it, Does Xander have to remind Adam and Ian about going to Borsetshire Bounce? Does he have his diary next to his telephone? Mm. What is it with this kid? He's got the IQ of 
well, it must be the highest IQ in men, sir. I don't know. Normally, you have to remind a child to wipe the nose at that age, yeah. but he's off with his diary and his telephone. I did put a tweet out saying, "Can he talk yet?" Because I've forgotten <laughs> how old he is. He's but he's two, and um, um, Moira Walton popped up saying, "Well, he, don't forget he picked up the phone, didn't he, and dropped yes. some Adam in it when Ian phoned." So he he, he can speak but as you say i mean he's he's organizing their social diary now yes and his um, favorite restaurant and yeah. oh my goodness what well, is going on and you know what's going to happen you know she'll be jenny left holding the baby well those two go off, go off and have a nice day yes because first of all i thought oh that's lovely adam's really thought about his mother being a bit down and included her in it no nothing to do with adam and ian he was very clear about that it was just Sander wanting wanting his grandmother along so he actually had somebody to talk to that wouldn't send him to sleep yeah smart kid yes Anyway, Rob, thank you. You're a star. We'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and you're wondering how to do it, here's how. Yeah, it takes people to make this the people's podcast people. So feel free to populate Dumpty Dum. If you want to record a message or a plot prediction, one way is to visit the dumptydum.com website where you can click the red tab on the left, which says send voicemail and submit your call. I promise you it is really, really easy and you can have as many goes as you like. Another way is to send a WhatsApp voice note to 07957 167696. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK to add a plus 44 and please keep it to a maximum of two minutes. Right. So let's get back to those calls. And first of all, we hear from Bill, who has thoughts on Pip that he needs to share. Hi, this is Bill Brown. Bill in Ukraine. Greetings from Kiev. I'm going to speak up for Pip. Sorry, Philippa. I know you're not a fan. You'll just Mm. have to block your ears. Pip was a teen when I started listening. She reminded me of my own daughter, who was just a little older. Uh, So perhaps that explains why I like her. I dislike how the scriptwriters yanked her down. She went from apple of her parents' eye to single mom in a shack. It's like they decided, nah, her life is too good. Let's toss in a hand grenade. And she's not the only one. They've exploded hand grenades in every young woman's life in Ambridge, except maybe Phoebe, who needs to watch her back. Lily, uncharacteristically matched with a creepy older man, was forced to leave university to care for her mother. Alice, on a career track, was made not only pregnant, but alcoholic. Two hand grenades for her. Most of the young men, meanwhile, are having less serious, more surmountable problems. Even Freddie's prison time is largely forgotten. And unwanted pregnancies only happen to girls, apparently. Ben and Rory's love shack was met with bemusement. No lessons learned there. No worries for Evie or Beth. Why aren't the young archer women allowed to have normal lives? Normal lives have plenty of drama. It's not necessary to drop hand grenades. Thanks and goodbye, Dumpty Dummers. Jaquil e Dobabachinya, Dumpty Dum Niki. Well, thank you, Bill. Um, <laughs> I assume that's a compliment, what he's saying at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he might be saying Dumpty Dum's a pile of crap, but we don't know. But it sounded good. Hopefully it was nice. 
um, uh, have you recovered from this um, Pip supporting call, Philip? Oh, dear, uh, it's just yeah. diabolical, really. Yeah, you don't you know, know what you've done, Bill. Thanks a lot, mate. Mm. It's going to take a long time to build mm. up. Philip has bonomy again. Um, essentially, Bill's saying that the female characters get a raw deal compared to their male equivalents in the arches. Too many hand grenades are thrown into their lives, he's saying. Why can't they just have normal lives? Well, I've got to say, if we just did normal in a drama, Bill, it would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? So hence the hand grenades. I think we do need them, don't we? Um, you, I think your complaint is that too many are on landing on the female side of the court. I, I take your point. Um but having said that, some of the younger men have struggled. I mean, obviously, Freddie had his drugs issue and his prison spell. Uh, Will was on the verge of taking his own life. Rex seems to get a raw deal to me. He, he, he struggles to get a lucky break, or a, a break that's sustained at least in, in, in Ambridge. I mean, he was kicked out of Hollow Tree, wasn't he? He'll probably be forced out of the bungalow by Pip. Uh, and he lost his lovely girlfriend to equine temptations in Newmarket, didn't he? So um, it's not all one-sided, but I, I, I see your line of thinking there, Bill, but we do, we do need the hand grenades. And I, I, I mean, Philippa, you'd like one thrown in Pip's direction anyway, wouldn't you? Yes, and I get the I get the premise of what Bill is saying. I will accept that. But let's just go to Pip. I mean, the only thing she's had to deal with is having a baby. So I would suggest that she doesn't have the raw deal, whereas some of the other women and some of the men in Ambridge do. I mean, she's had a baby. She's got on-site care with her family. She's got meals cooked by her grandmother all the time. If she runs out of food, she just nicks theirs. She's got a boyfriend who isn't a boyfriend, he's a friend, but the baby father, and he's there looking after the baby. You know, she's... Is, is there much more of this? <laughs> <laughs> Breathe. I just did a Linda sniffy breathe in there. <laughs> it was a sniffy breathe in, and that's and yeah, that's what I've got to say. But Bill, what you have reminded me about is Lily and how excited she had been to go off to university and then was coerced by Russ to not live in halls and live in their own place and spend all money on stuff for him. And yeah, she's really gone off at a tangent and we need her to come back. But I imagine that will take some time. But uh, yes, Bill, apart from what you said about Pip, I completely agree with everything. <laughs> Which was the essence of his call. Well, it's it's very good to have him call in. Uh, no, I do, do appreciate yeah. it. And I'd love to know what he said at the end. Yeah. No, thanks for lobbing in the, the, the Pip hand grenade, Bill. That, that, <laughs> that, that, made, that was fun. Thank you. Yes, yes. And now we go to Sarah. <laughs> have you calmed down yet? Have you calmed down? <sighs> it's all fine. It's all fine. I'm very hungry today. I don't know why. Maybe I need to eat a biscuit or something to recover. I need a bit of sugar to recover from the onslaught of Bill. No, yeah. It's fine. Anyway, Sarah has called in and she has thoughts on the agricultural references, Clarkson's Farm, and who is Baggy? Hello, it's Sarah from Smethercare, and we kicked off this week with a scriptwriter suddenly realising, once again, that they had the expertise of an agricultural consultant to draw on when they couldn't think of any ideas themselves and had uh, Adam and Tony essentially talking about fat cows. <laughs> this is on the heels recently of Rex and Kirsty at the Rewilding Project finally trying to give an explanation of just what the heck rewilding is. 
Perhaps the BBC has been reminded of its rethemed rationale to educate and has been put to shame by the much more comprehensive explanation of wilding or rewilding offered via Clarkson's Farm. I'm glad to hear that the Grundy's renewal ceremony has been moved from Grey Gables and looking forward to hearing how that goes. And seeing as we've had so many mentions made to Eddie's mate Baggy, wonder if we're ever going to meet this person and, from my geological perspective, want to know if his name has anything to do with West Bromwich Albion Football Club. I fear we're not going to hear much of Rory in person for some time and that, as well as due to his family difficulties, that... uh, that there London has turned his head. But I'm wondering about the apparently throwaway reference to his insisting on picking up the bill for Ben and Beth, apparently splashing the cash. London isn't cheap and being a student isn't cheap, so the two comprise a perfect storm. Has he some illicit way of funding himself for? Or are we going to be looking at a student debt storyline? So many questions, I feel like an exam paper. <laughs> oh, well, that's for my two penneth. Tarara bit. Tarara bit. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. Yes, I hadn't thought about that. Is Rory getting into debt? Is that going to be a student debt story? That'll be interesting. I agree. I do think Baggy has um, come from the link to uh, West Bromwich Albion Football Club. So, yes, I, I thought that. Did you think that, Quentin? I I didn't make that connection, but it it took a wonderful Sarah to, to, to link that, of course, it's based in the Birmingham area so of course it was a reference I I missed that one I missed that one I'm staggered that you picked it up with your encyclopedia knowledge of of football Philip (laughs) very impressed it's only because I'm not that far so that's the only reason but this uh, yes the analysis of fat cows and when they were saying is it running to fat I thought oh my goodness they've been looking at my calorie intake I thought it's all getting a bit personal the uh, the, the flesh and gut fill yes yes Yes. Who is in charge of Bridge Farm at the moment? I mean, Tony's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because Tony is still I think he's going to take make over, Do but, you? I think. Oh, yes. I can't well, wait to hear Tom. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, and then you got him in as a rival to Home Farm. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be, oh, yes. I mean, I'd love to hear Tom have to cope with that, swallow that one. And yes, as you say, the rivalry. And Adam does sound almost as if, dare I say it, he knows what he's talking about. Well, yeah, especially when it comes to, um, there was another reference. Clearly, as Sarah said, that the agricultural consultant has been brought in. They uh, they were talking about those two meadows they're receding, and uh, they came up. They mentioned a word beginning with S, sward or something. I think sward, and I thought, oh, that's a that's an interesting word. So we yeah, so we had flesh and gut fill, and I think sward. So yeah, they they're earning their money this week. The agricultural consultant. Yes, they've paid their one off fee, and they've got as much as possible yeah. to fit in the episode. But um, I think the student debt is another possible explanation, mm. possibly, uh, to all the various theories we've already discussed as to why Rory has so much uh, cash to splash, as, as Sarah says. Um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. So, Sarah, thank you so much for that call. And now we go to Claire from Clapham. And Claire has some valuable insight for us on Mia. Hi, Dum to Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. 
Uh, before I start, I just wanted to say a quick hello and how are you to uh, Dumpty Dummers who are in the uh, flood-ravaged end of British Columbia. Um, I've seen a few bits and bobs on the social medias and I hope everyone there is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I'll be thinking of you. And um, yeah, so I wanted to say Archers-wise this week about Mia and Celebrate Mia, who I think a bit like Jazza has a sort of good grounded common sense and a, a very finely attuned um, sense of emotional intelligence, which, you know, can make both Mia and Jazza really at times the kind of diplomats and um, kind of peacemakers of the village. And I thought Mia's intervention this week around the wedding was really well done. Um, I mean, the conversation she had with Clary a couple of weeks ago, where she basically said, you know, Clary, you don't actually have to put up with all this, but was brilliant. And I thought it was really interesting dynamic between two different types of people, but also possibly two different or double generations of women. Um, You know, I think Clary is of an era where, you know, she had to put up with a lot of stuff. And Mia, hopefully, is growing up in a generation where they go, I'm not putting up with that. Um, So let's see how that plays through. But I think, you know, Clary's martyrdom is all encompassing. She puts up with so much. Um, and it's about time someone took her by the hand and said, you know, you can just say what you want because Eddie does adore her and he has to remember to listen for that and not just assume that she'll put up with stuff. And I think Mia, because she cares about everyone in the situation, I think she handled it really well. So well done, Mia, and I hope everything goes well at the ceremony. And um, there you go. Keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye, Claire. Thanks for that, um, as ever. Wonderful insight from Claire. And and um, you know how sometimes when you listen to some scenes and, you, and you're trying to put your finger on it and trying to just say, what what was right about that? And Claire has done that for me because, mm. she, yeah, there is that common thread between her and, and Jazza that she does have that good grounded common sense she's got that emotional intelligence and she can bang heads together in a gentle way if that makes sense uh, which she did and she sussed way ahead of everybody else clara's terrible discomfort and inability to express that discomfort mm. and get the ceremony that she wants so yes quite right about about mia i, I think claire and and i got that feeling that we, we're seeing the generational difference between two well, two generations apart aren't they i think of of women and the attitudes and yeah that yeah 40 years of martyrdom for, for clary she's quite right that's the word it's what she's prepared to put up mm. with just to sort of try and make life as easier as easy as possible for the grundes but mia hopefully has opened her eyes a bit and it's nice to see that generational shift. And um, yeah, it was a good week for Mia. Although, as I do say, I do think it, <laughs> I, I think the scriptwriters missed a wonderful opportunity in the last two weeks to actually make her talk about COP26. I was surprised by that, given how passionate she feels about that. But that's not her fault. Uh, but yeah, she was great this week. Yeah, I, I agree. The one question I have is about this vow renewal. Because surely you have to have a section where you renew your vows and then you have the party afterwards. So there's been all the discussion about the party itself. Yeah. And not the renewal. So I can I, only presume it's going on in church. 
Or it's all going on in the shed. I don't know. Does it have to be in a church? Well, they got married in the church. Clary attends church. She um, brought yeah. Nick into the church. I would expect Alan to be popping yeah. up at a rehearsal because we'd heard about how Mia was going to be the sort of bridesmaid. Hmm. So yeah. there has to be a service for that where I don't understand. Too much party, not enough service, not happy. I think it might be one of those shortcuts where we it'll get reported, won't it? And we won't actually hear the service. Um, if you were an alien that had landed to the ground and by chance was listening to the archers. Shouldn't bother you, you're a Trekkie, won't bother <laughs> But if they were listening to the archers, they <laughs> might think a vow renewal is just a big booze-up party, whereas it's not. It's the it's like look, a wedding. You have the look, ceremony and then you have the party. Can I just quote? You don't need aliens. Look, look there's a tweet from... Shelley Parker, love Shelley. She says, where do I even begin with listening to the archers? I've just seen it 70 years old. That's an awful lot of catching up to do. Any advice? Much appreciated. <laughs> and what did you say in response then, Quentin? I didn't have to because everything I came up with was already there on the thread. It was uh. essentially dive in, dive in, Shelley, <laughs> start swimming and then start asking questions and then bung a few a few tweets to the likes of Brenda Selwyn who can fill in the gaps. <laughs> so, I mean, I've said the same, given the same advice to others who say, well, how, how do I start listening? I don't understand it. We just, you have to just plunge, dive in and find your way, don't you? Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be reported equally. I, I always, always, I said this and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm crowing here, but I did say two or three weeks ago, Mia will ensure that this huge bash doesn't happen because actually the archers, program budget won't stretch to having so many people in mm. one scene anyway so she's <laughs> she has served her purpose very good thank you so much claire now we go to Catherine, who's back to talk to us about Hurrah. the jennifer rory dynamic and a useful hint for the impatient hi there it's Catherine ringing up with a second thing sorry everybody but i've just listened to the episode um with jennifer moaning about rory and i'm confused because i've got kind of two points to make firstly Everyone knows when a child goes to university, you have to uh, stop yourself reaching out to them. You have to let them go. You've had a child so that they will grow up to be an adult and leave you. It's kind of an odd job spec um, that you're actually deliberately making yourself unhappy in the end. But you have to. I haven't seen mine youngest since, I don't know, September. And I miss him. But I'm really excited he's doing something else. So I think she needs to realise that he needs to go and do his own thing. She might be reading too much into the birth mother thing and it might just be, hey, I want to go to London and be somebody else. Um, But also, why hasn't Alice been forced to uh, do some sort of reconciliation with this? She's the one who screwed it all up. We had no inkling that Rory was unhappy with with his uh, adoptive mother before at all. So suddenly out of the blue, he's, oh, woe me, I'm misunderstood. I think he's just being a young adult. And as uh, Brian said, or was it Brian? I know somebody said, uh, you know, he's going to spread his wings. Secondly, I've got a little piece of information for all of you lot who are impatient like me. So there are prerequisites. You've got to listen to the catch up on the Sounds app. You've got to be impatient and horrible. And uh, you've got to hate the Archer's theme tune more than life itself. I've worked out if you get to the bit where the continuity announcer says the day of the week. So this is the uh, Thursday's episode of the Archer's or whatever it says on the iPhone app. If you press the fast forward, uh, is it 20 seconds button, the little arrow, exactly at the time they say the day, you miss the horror that's the irritatingly jaunty theme tune that everyone else seems to love, but I loathe. So there you are. Top tip. Have a great week. 
Catherine, thank you so much for your call. That was wonderful. Oh, as you were talking about the time when children go to university, my my heart was breaking a bit at the thought of that. I mean, mine aren't there yet, but you've there's... still got your station scene, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, with yours. Oh, but they're they're already. I don't know, sort of detaching themselves a bit. I looked at the dog the other day and said, sorry, but you're going to be in a bonnet before you know it because the dog's the only one I can treat like a child now. Um, yeah, And I completely agree with you, Catherine. It's Alice that needs to be held to account. There was Jennifer going on about how it's her fault that it's come to this. No, I don't think it is. I, th- I do feel that there is a genuine distance now between Rory and Jennifer because Rory is pulling away based on all that's happened. But apart from Jennifer holding Alice to account sooner, slapping her sooner, um, you know, she's not created this problem. It's Alice and Alice needs to take action. And shame on Adam as well for not seeing this situation unravel and just phoning Rory. They got on ish when Rory was staying with Adam and Ian. So why can't Adam just take the initiative and call up Rory and just have a chat? How are things going and talk about Alice? Come on, Adam. Yeah. Um, Alice is at, is, at the, is at the core of all this. I mean, what she said to Rory clearly has really struck home hasn't it and caused Mm. a huge wound and whether it's ever healed is another matter i mean ben was intimating well intimating he was saying wasn't he he looks like rory doesn't even want to come back to ambridge at all so Mm. and he's obviously invested much more time with his irish family and um jennifer is beating herself up as she said for concentrating too much on alice and she said, I missed how excluded he felt. Um, yeah. Uh, I, 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 it'll take time to heal. But equally, Catherine's saying you've got to cut the apron spring, uh, the apron strings as well. And I, I had to do it three times. In fact, our youngest is up with us at the moment this weekend. She goes oh. back. Yes, yes. I could be talking to her rather than doing this podcast. <laughs> but she goes back this afternoon far too early. She's only up here on Friday evening. You know, it's like, oh, no. You just get used to them being around again. But it's, it's a wrench every time. So I'm, I'm warning you, Philippa, you've got oh, a lot of pain no. to get through. Oh, I can't know. But Catherine's Archer's hack is brilliant because I thought I was the only one who knew this because I do the same. I just click on that 20 seconds forward and you miss the entire jaunty Archer's theme and you get into the action straight away. So um, I've, I've, I've chuckled when I heard Catherine suggest that hack because, yes, I've discovered that as well. And that's the way to, to avoid the tune. So well spotted, Catherine. We sh- I should have shared earlier. <laughs> Shame on you both, frankly, is all I can say. Shame on you both. You should enjoy br- the tune. It's part of the art. <laughs> it's a brilliant shortcut. <laughs> I always, I, I always get irritated with myself. I don't do it quite early enough. And I get just a few bars of it because sometimes if you time it just right, you miss the entire tune. So I, I shall, I shall do it even earlier now. But if you're encouraging shortcuts, you see, you could encourage people to fast forward past the roundup of what's happened in Ambridge on this podcast, or fast forward to the calls, or the tweet of the week, or the what will no, happen no, no. next week. This you, is, you can't encourage this. This is simply to avoid the um, Barwick Green. No, but that, it's well, part of it. I... Well, to be fair, if I'm catching up to say a couple of episodes, I, I just want to keep keep it going. You see, so I don't want to be interrupted by. Barwick Green, thank you very Fair much. Enough. Fair enough. Well, Catherine, thank you for your call. And Quentin says you're feeling better, so that is good news. Well, she must be better if she's called in twice, yeah. 
That's true. She sounded much brighter. She did. So that, that's good. And now we go to Bernadette, who is unhappy with the week and with the women in Ambridge. I have to say, this is Archer's Fan 2015. I have to say, this is the most boring week I've heard in the Archers for a long time. But it wasn't just boring. It was excruciatingly irritating with all this stuff about the um, anniversary, 40th anniversary party. And it got me thinking more and more about the role of women in the Archers. Uh, they start out strong and then end up becoming cake-baking idiots. <laughs> uh, but Clary is a bit of a conundrum. Um, has she been downtrodden all her life? Or was it just when she got married to Eddie? And um, by all accounts, well, somewhere in there, in, in there, it was said that she she had second thoughts and nearly jilted him at the at the altar. Well, I think she should have done, but you know, I may be in a minority on that one. Uh, and how she has put up with forty years of Eddie and Joe's shenanigans and ferret toenail clippings, I have no idea. Anyway, I'm going to stop ranting and uh, hopefully it will be a better week next week. Bye. Well, I, f- I hope you feel better for getting that off your chest, Bernadette, because uh, we're, <laughs> we're recording this, aren't we, uh, about an hour after the uh, Sunday mm-hmm. tweet along. And I was involved with the tweets along and I could see Bernadette getting more and more riled as her. She was... <laughs> tweeting out these very angry tweets about how frustrated she was. So she obviously finished the omnibus and piled on to Dumpty Dum to vent still further. <laughs> so whew, calm down now, Bernadette. Boring and irritating, she said uh, this week, uh, and she can't hack this 40th anniversary nonsense. Um, I didn't find it boring, I have to say, because uh, there was so much so many irritating things going on, <laughs> to be honest, um, and all, all the rows and everything. Um, I've known more boring weeks, I have to say, Bernadette, <laughs> but I can understand your irritation because, um, you know, Linda and mm. Kirsty and mm. Tom and I was going to say Pat. I thought Pat was okay, uh, to be honest, I thought. I thought she... Oh, legi- no. No, she legitimately stood up to to oh. to, 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 to um, Natasha. Why, why should she just throw a weight around and say, I'm going to put a factory here whether you like it or not? No, if Pat was a soup, she'd just be a consomme, not even a soup, <laughs> nothing substantial, just coloured water. Oh, that's that's brutal, that is. Um, interesting. I, somebody I follow on Twitter is called Worst Character of the Week every week, and they're running a poll at the moment for the worst character this week in Ambridge, and the people who've been selected are Pat, Natasha, Linda, and Kirsty. So out of those, Philippa, currently I'm looking at, at the poll. Who, do, who who, at the moment do you think is leading in the poll for the worst character of the week, Pat, Natasha, Linda, or Kirsty? It had better be Kirsty, please. <laughs> Can it be Kirsty? Not Natasha. Not my Natasha. She's neck and neck with Natasha in second place at the moment at 26.9%. Yes. But leading it, we have Pat at 34.6%. Oh, that's fine then. I'm, I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Linda's way behind at 11.5%. Yeah, Linda's so, Linda. <laughs> it doesn't change. Yeah. Now, Bernadette, that was a great call. I love people getting 
you know, enthusiastic and emotional and about these things. So yeah, she's not impressed. The Clary is a conundrum. I agree. I mean, we've got we've got Stella, Natasha, Hannah. I think they're all interesting female characters. Mia as well now. Yeah. Yes, so and yeah. Mia Lily is one of the younger ones, but she is just a disappointment at the moment. But, but it's generational again, isn't it? It's picking up but what Lily, Claire was saying. Yeah. That's not generational. That's just no, weird. I know. But it sort of dovetails, doesn't it, in with yes. Claire's point that we're seeing a generational shift amongst some of the younger women who are much more assertive and not prepared to put up with nonsense as much as the likes of Clary. Thank you, Bernadette, for your call. Much appreciated as always. And those are the calls. But you can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. So how can Dumpty Dummers do that, Quentin? Yes, as ever, you're very welcome to send a text, if you like, to this number 07957. 167696. Remember, if you're texting from outside the UK to add a plus 44, or if you'd prefer to send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please do get your calls, emails and texts in by just before noon on Sunday as we record at midday UK time. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And I do believe Bernadette got her call in about 10 to 12 this morning, mm-hmm. didn't she? And Just. it was included. So there yeah. you go. Proof of the pudding. And so we go from our caller in to our email and texture in Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And our first email this week is from Charles, who has views on Rex. Charles has given the subject of his email this. Has Kirsty been taking lessons in conversation from Trevor? <laughs> this will be interesting. The collective noun for goldfinches, the Eurasian J scientific name, the beneficial use of brambles, a rare greenfinch sighting, a not-so-rare Kestrel sighting, why did Kirsten Rex's wilding walk go on and on for so long, Charles asks. The answer, of course, is because the scriptwriters wanted it to. There was a point to boring listeners with all that nature talk. What could it be? 
All was revealed, at least to me, in a subsequent conversation between Kirsty and Gideon's mother, Helen. Kirsty told her friend about all the wildlife she'd seen and heard on the walk in loving Trevor-like detail. Conspicuously, she did not mention her walking companion, Rex. Rex has been doomed by the scriptwriter gods never to taste true love or true success. He's fated to serve, as I've argued before, says Charles, as an archer who'll suffer like a Grundy. Hmm. We've discussed it before, haven't we, Philippa, that um, Rex is very hard done by, really. Nothing really. He doesn't catch a break, does he, as I suggested earlier in this podcast. Uh, Do you think he's doomed to be a Grundy-like person in in Ambridge? Well, I guess we need some people who are duller than others. Um, It's just part of the rich tapestry. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting point Charles makes about you know, Rex was just absent from the uh, Kirsty recalling the walk and just talking about the nature instead. Yes, I mean, I, I, as I said last week, it, it was the first time for me that rewilding was made vaguely interesting in the Archers, and I enjoyed that scene. Um, I did. I thought it was rather nice, and uh, it was a break from all the shouting and screaming, and reminded us that we were in rural Borsetshire. But, uh, yeah, Rex, um, I think he's going to find love. I do. I do. Well, our second email this week is from Kate, and she has a drama update. Uh, So Kate says, this is a follow-up to last week's message. Hello, you two. In answer to your query, Quentin, yes, I was thinking that it was only fair that Linda invites my dad along to the ceremony as a way of saying thank you for all the fantastic ideas he's given her over the years. Although now you mention it, perhaps he should get the award. Next up will be a spot of post-First World War comedy drama in the shape of Somerset Maugham Home and Beauty. Not quite the usual panto-style Linda favours, but could be interesting. It's on this week, so we'll keep an eye out for any Ambridge spies in the audience, Kate. Yes, do keep an eye out, Kate, because I'm sure they're there. That Last week we heard about how basically Ambridge seems to have nicked all your father's drama ideas, so we'll be very interested to, to know what what goes on next. We're very keen to hear. Yes, I think a magpie has been spotted in that rewilding meadow and nicked all your dad's ideas. But um, <laughs> yes, your dad should be invited by Linda. It's, yes. uh, it's a crime he hasn't. Absolutely. So thank you for coming back to us on that, Kate. And our text this week is from Barbara, who has views on Rex. And Barbara says, I did like the Eddie Clary celebration being dialed back. It was heartwarming. However, whilst Mia did well, I was surprised that a teenager would have been so directing with her grandparents. I know they're not blood relatives, but they are in that sort of role, she says. It should have been one of their sons or Emma, the daughter-in-law, who pointed out what was happening. And she then adds, thanks, thanks so much for your podcast and greetings to all Dumpty Dummers. And that's from Barbara. Well, thank you, um, uh, Barbara. I'm glad you uh, enjoy the podcast. Uh, your text actually made me think, we haven't heard from Emma, have we, for ages, Philippa? Where? No, uh, that's we, true. She used to be so in there, didn't she? Yes, yeah, none of their true. kids have stepped in and said, oh, what's going on? Which hadn't occurred to me at all. So well spotted, Barbara. Yes, I agree. Although Mia is in a way the right person to do that. 
she's got such a lovely relationship with Eddie and Clary and they do listen to her perhaps yeah. more than they would do if Emma started saying something or Eddie or William. But, but uh, yeah, that's a good point from Barbara. Thank you for your calls and emails and texts. We value them so much. Keep them coming, please. Oh, now we go to our special bookish item. So like last week, uh, when I'm interviewing an author, I ask them if they listen to The Archers. And uh, this one was quite inter- quite different to last week's, but uh, have, a, have a listen. So Melanie Golding, you are the author of a book just out called The Replacement. Welcome to... Well, I was going to say welcome to Dumdy Dum. Welcome to Dumdy Book Dum, I, I, I should say. <laughs> Can you give us a, a, an elevator pitch for your book? Sure. Thanks so much for having me, by the way. It's great to be on. The Replacement opens on a dark December night and a toddler, uh, Leone, has been abandoned on the, on, uh, the shops on the seafront in uh, Cleethorpes. And the police and social services arrive and just afterwards, her mother arrives and everything seems to be fine. It seems to be an innocent case of a toddler wandering off. But then afterwards, once they've let her go, they discover that the woman who's gone with this child is not her mother. Mm-hmm. So that's how it opens. And um, the, it develops into a story uh, because on the beach, there's a pile of clothes sort of in the background. And it develops into a story that's inspired by Selkie mythology. All I'll say is it's it's one of the books, the one of a very few books that's enabled me to stay awake at three a.m. until it was time to get up. Oh, wow. So I just I had to read to find out what what happened. But anyway, let's talk the archers. So you've listened to the archers. You have a connection with the archers. Tell me more. The theme tune. This must be the case for a lot of people. But the theme tune is just so evocative of my childhood when we were babies. My parents lived. On basically in a caravan on the side of a mountain, actually, there was no telly. You know, it was the 1970s, everyone was uh, hippies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but apparently the, the theme tune is the first song that my older brother ever sang. He used to sing along to the theme. <laughs> yeah, I've got some very um, vivid memories of, of just having Radio 4 on and when the arches came on, we all would dance around, yeah. And um, more recently, um, some of the storylines have really interested me for instance the uh robin helen one i think the arches covers them really mm-hmm. well yeah mm-hmm. very much so so if you had to say one character who's your favorite who would it be well for this question i did defer to my mum as she listens to it all the time and uh, if, if i was going to say anyone it would be fallon i think because i really like the fact that she um she just seems like a real person to me, you know. Um, but my mum said Clary, and I said, oh, why Clary? And she said uh, that Clary's had a lot to put up with, but she's always really cheerful. <laughs> that was hmm. Thank you very much. Well, Melanie Golding, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. So, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's I'm interesting. 3am. You, yes. you, you get up at 5am. Why didn't you just carry on till 5 I, I did in the end because the book was so interesting. I was just like, well, I'm not going to get back to sleep, so I'll just re- read the book. But, uh, yeah, in a caravan on the side of a mountain, yes. listening to the Archer's tune. There you go. Dancing and around. Dancing, yeah. yeah. 
But if it, if it was Catherine's caravan, of course, she'd be pressing the fast forward 20 seconds and she, you wouldn't Yes, be... it would be, what would it be? Shawaddy Waddy instead or no. Shaken Stevens. Or... <laughs> no, you wouldn't hear it because be, she'd be pressing the fast forward button. Yes, I was just trying to think of other 70s tunes, oh, I see. but there we go. Um, and I've, I've, a mother's favourite character is Clary. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, very appropriate for this week. It is, yeah, yeah. But she's put up with a lot, but always cheerful. I think that yeah. pretty much sums up all Archer's listeners, doesn't it? I think it does. And now we need to go to Facebook and our lovely Dum De Dum community. As we sit back, well, we were going to sit back for the roundup with our Sandra, but poor Sandra, she's ill. Uh, she, Yeah, she sent me a message this morning, too ill to do the roundup. Do hope you're okay, Sandra, mm. and getting some rest. So um, I got the message from Sandra while I was walking the dog. And so I have, I, I thought we've got to still do a, a roundup. So... Bear with me as I attempt to summarise briefly what has happened. This is no skill. I've not, yes, formulated this. Sorry, is this all written on the back of a dog, is it? It's all written on the back of a piece of pink paper that I had in my pocket. And I'm looking at it. I'm not even sure I can read my handwriting. So (laughs) let's see how how we go. So Stephen Thomas had spotted Ruth's number plate, which was 0010-N-O-O. Oh, no. Uh, Carolyn Wright, instead of a Saturday episode, she writes really interesting, different ideas of what could happen. And she said one of them was, uh, Kathy's still waiting in the Grey Gables linen cupboard for a line of dialogue. Um, Witherspoon leaded the welcome for new members of the group. Sally Lakin said her favourite chuckle line of the week was Clary telling Eddie off for having ferrets in the house. Yeah. Jane Hoy spotted Kirsty's voice on a video game. David Gant and many others, including Paul Norris, went on about how I was wrong and fruit can be frozen to go in yogurt. Yeah, yes. we both got we both got it in the neck about that, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sharon Weldon had the most commented on uh, entry on Facebook, on the Dum Dum Facebook group, which was a photo of her taken with the actor who plays Harrison yes. on a train. 290 likes. Yeah. Very impressive, yes. Oh, yes. Sharon. Very impressive, Sharon. Uh, then Michael made a placard to go on a march with midwives. And this placard said, even Amy Franks is burnt out and she's a work of fiction. Uh, Sarah Spilsbury said, free carton of apple juice, priceless. Jonah Titchmarsh queried how Blake would be allowed to visit Philip Moss in prison. Patricia Sharp said, how can Natasha be a one-woman business? Does she do the pressing herself? Does she pick the fruit herself? Pat Ralph Hanavan posted an interesting link to rewilding, worth seeing. Uh, Darcy complimented Mia on a good job. Rob Williams noticed the huge kerfuffle over playing God. Sandra Jenkinson hoped the wedding vow renewal is a good day for everyone. Peter Robinson spotted Elizabeth in EastEnders. Jan Mitchell thought Natasha was shocking and Fallon a saint. Lillian McCarthy wondered if she'd heard Kirsty in EastEnders. There's a lot of EastEnders watchers in Dum uh, Dum. And Corrie as well. Oh, really? Ah, right. Okay. And uh, Margaret Slading had stopped caring about Kirsty. Rob Williams thought the weighing scene was a flashback to Slimming World. And I agree. Well, that was off the cuff. That was excellent. Honestly, (laughs) that was your finest hour. Very good. Brilliant. (laughs) Well, we had to have a Facebook roundup. Thank you, everyone, who's posted their thoughts on the Dum De Dum Facebook group. What a great community. Do join us there. We're also, of course, on, on Twitter. 
under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A. That's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers based tweets as well. Please also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweets. So that means more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review. How about you, Quentin? You'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's 13 Minute Man. And now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Yep, I've got the crowns out and uh, here we go. Uh, the bronze crown goes to Little Kim at Little Kim. And she posted this. Can't think why Lizzie doesn't want a cup of tea from the ferret toenail strewn kitchen. Yeah, that was <laughs> disgusting, wasn't it? I thought that. Um <laughs> In silver position, it's uh, Miranda at Apple Android app, and she was she's been on fire this week. And it, well, I was spoiled for choice, but I eventually went for this for silver for Miranda. And she's talking about Kirsty, and she says, "Can we crowdfund Alistair or Jacob to hit her with a tranquilizer dart?" <laughs> yes, great. It, I, I, that would be humane. I think it would, wouldn't it? But the gold tweet was uh, teed up by a good friend of this podcast. Rosie Porty at Porty Rosie, and she picked up on the that uh, phrase from Adam. Borsetshire bounce, she asked, to which, and this is the gold-winning response, uh, Finton T at Finton the Wrong replied, uh, Borsetshire bounce, Kama Sutra, the Archer's edition, pages 235 to 237. <laughs> to which he then added, uh, forgot to say that it's in volume three. <laughs> so I rather like that. So Finton the Wrong is our gold tweeter this week. Very good. And thanks again to Jensen Angus for the Dumpty Dum tune and to Rob, Jan, Catherine, Witherspoon, Bill, Kate, Sarah, Claire from Clapham, Bernadette, Charles, Barbara and the author Melanie Golding for their calls, emails and texts. Thanks also to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman, and a Mr. Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will national supplies of quiche without adequate quantities of bacon <laughs> be banned from this country forevermore? Will the hunt for a third butterfly egg become the next winter Olympic sport? Will Pat's new secret ingredient for a good pate be slices of Ooh. Natasha's heart? And will we all join together to celebrate the moving vow renewal of Ben and Jess the Sheepdog? All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a bye-bye from me. And in a sign-off, which will mean nothing to Omnibus listeners, this is Thelma, Ursula, Beatrice, Eleanor getting off at this stop too. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 